Welcome to Art in the 48, your Arizona arts connection. I'm Craig Baumler. On this episode, we explore the origins of the Grand Canyon Music Festival and have a conversation with the festival co-founders. Glories and beauties of form, color, and sound unite in the Grand Canyon. Forms unrivaled even by the mountains, colors that vie with sunsets, and sounds that span the diapason from tempest to tinkling raindrop, from cataract to bubbling fountain. That was a quote from John Wesley Powell. The Grand Canyon is the glorious, majestic heart of Arizona. It provides our state with a proud alias, It is the ancestral and spiritual home of the indigenous people who have lived here for centuries. It draws multitudes from around the globe, inviting them to join their awe with ours as they realize that none of the photos they've seen have ever done the canyon justice. As everything around it changes, the canyon pays no attention. It is as it was and as it will continue to be, incomprehensible and timeless. It is appropriate that this first episode of a podcast that calls itself Your Arizona Arts Connection showcases an adventurous undertaking that unites the arts and Arizona's heart. It's 1982, New York City. Claire, a young woman at the dawn of her career, navigating life as a freelance musician in the Big Apple. The hustle and bustle of going from audition to audition, rehearsal to rehearsal, gig to gig. Although her professional career was still in its early stages, a sensation of burnout had crept in. She decided to take some time off and, on her way to visit some friends in Boston, picked up a book in Penn Station. The Song of the Lark by Willa Cather. Strangely enough, the story paralleled Claire's own situation. It is about a young musician who, feeling burned out and in need of some soul-searching, journeys to northern Arizona's canyons where she rediscovers why she is a musician. As Claire turned the pages, she identified with the protagonist and began to wonder, did she need a break from her hectic day-to-day routine? Would an adventure in the great outdoors be the breath of fresh air she was longing for? After some reflection, Claire made up her mind. She would trade New York's concrete canyons for natural ones, at least for a while. After she returned home, she announced to her husband, Robert, we're going to the canyons of northern Arizona. And so the couple headed west for a respite from city life. Claire and Robert arrived at the Grand Canyon for an ambitious four-day hike, rim to rim to rim. On the first day, when they reached the canyon floor, they made their way to the Colorado River, where they took off their boots and were cooling their aching feet. Sitting on a rock, Claire reached in her backpack and brought out a flute. Robert opened his and took out a harmonica, and together they began to play, adding their own sounds to John Wesley Powell's bubbling fountain. Of course, at the bottom of the canyon, they were just a man and a woman with their feet in the river blowing tunes. 
At least, that's what Joe Quiros heard. Joe was a national park ranger posted to the canyon, and in his years of experience, this was something new. Classical music echoing off the canyon walls. He set off to find the sources, but missed them. The canyon is, after all, a big place, and sound travels. As Claire would later note, the odd thing I've learned about playing in canyons is, you can't hear the echoes, but others can. The following day, Claire and Robert hiked to Cottonwood Campground, and as they rested, brought out the instruments again. But this time, Ranger Joe wasn't far behind. He followed the sound and eventually discovered Claire playing her flute near the trunk of a washed-out tree. After listening for a bit, he invited the duo to the Cottonwood Ranger Cabin that night, where they played an intimate concert for an audience of two. Joe and the other National Park Ranger on duty, Gail Burak. It was a spontaneous performance opportunity that could just as easily have been a friendly card game. But instead, it was music. Music and hours and hours of talk. The four parted ways with Claire and Robert heading for the North Rim the next day. And while the little concert was as transitory as the passing of the water of the Colorado, it etched an impression in the couple's memory. As they talked while they hiked on, Robert kept coming back to a single idea. This place needs a music festival. The first official concert of the ambitiously titled Grand Canyon Music Festival was met with a packed house at the Shrine of the Ages in 1983. For almost 40 years, the Grand Canyon Music Festival has echoed off the walls of Arizona's beloved landmark. What began with two gifted artists trading riffs while cooling their feet has since attracted renowned ensembles and soloists from traditional orchestra and chamber instruments to banjo and, of course, harmonica. Vocalists and video artists, actors and storytellers have shared their artistry, and composers create new works to premiere every year. The festival also honors the history and heritage of the indigenous people who first lived at the canyon by including native works and artists in the programs. And the festival's Native American Composer Apprentice Project has won multiple awards for working to ensure that the canyon's walls will echo with native sounds for generations to come. That was, in fact, part of Claire Hoffman's reason for the 1982 trip that, from the seeds of frustration, has yielded such spectacular fruit. She would later recall the passage in The Song of the Lark that inspired her when the young musician Thea asks, What was any art but an effort to make a sheath, a mold in which to imprison for a moment the shining, elusive element which is life itself? From that inspiration, a vision was conceived. From that vision, a festival was born. Tell us how we are doing or share about a local arts event you enjoy. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Arizona PBS. We may give you a shout out here on Art in the 48, your Arizona arts connection. The Grand Canyon Music Festival is still going strong nearly four decades later. 
attracting a diverse group of performers and offering the communities of the northern Arizona region numerous educational opportunities. Spanning three weekends from late August through early September, the festival features everything from classical chamber music to jazz to blues to original compositions of young Hopi and Navajo composers. And now, formal introductions to the remarkable duo we met earlier in this episode, the co-founders of the festival. Claire is Claire Hoffman, a distinguished flutist who has appeared as a soloist throughout the New York metropolitan area and is a frequent guest of music festivals across the United States. And Robert is Robert Bonfilio, a world-renowned virtuoso and recording artist who has appeared with the Boston Pops, the Los Angeles Philharmonic, and the New York Pops, to name a few. The guy, the Los Angeles Times, called the Paganini of the Harmonica. We'll drop in on a recent conversation we had with Robert and Claire at the Grand Canyon Music Festival. People always say, oh, you do concerts in the canyon, that's cool. And it's like, "Mm, not exactly. So we do the concerts at the Shrine of the Ages, and we've developed a relationship with Grand Canyon National Park. We are here as their guests. And so the Shrine of the Ages was here. It's a beautiful building built in the 1960s through an act of Congress as a non-denominational place of worship. For us, it's like putting on a show is, is easy. Playing the music is the easy part. You know, that's what we do all the time. We're all professional musicians. The tricky part is all the logistics, as you said. But once we had the shrine, we knew we had a home base. And then we brought the world's best musicians, the same people you could see at the Lincoln Center Chamber Music Society, up here to make great music. You found a quote that man should bring his best to the Grand Canyon, and that's what we Yeah, again, it goes back to that Willa Cather book, and she was talking specifically about the original people, the indigenous people of this land, and let me tell you a little bit about the story. She talks about finding pottery that was left from the ancient people, and very utilitarian. They were in a very dry climate. They needed water. Water was the essence of life, but they didn't just make utilitarian pottery. They made beautiful pottery. And it's that drive that people have to make something beautiful. And it makes you feel an obligation to bring your best to this place, to the Grand Canyon, into these lands of, of the ancient peoples, just as they did. They brought their best, you know. So that's kind of always been our philosophy, our working philosophy throughout, is that we have to bring our best to this place. Well, Native American Composer Apprentice Project or NACAP, or NACAP. We had been doing sort of outreach to the local school here at Grand Canyon and to the Navajo and Hopi Nations since our second year. You know, it feels like Brigadoon. We'd show up once a year, play a concert, and then leave. And we were looking for something to do that would be more impactful, something that would have a bigger impact on the students, on the communities, and something that would go both ways, that wouldn't be just us imposing something, but we would also be learning as we went. We were thinking about doing a composer residency and a talk to a couple of people we knew, but nothing seemed to line up. And then in 2000, the Grand Canyon Music Festival was chosen by the American Composers Forum to be the Arizona host site for the Millennium Council, the White House Millennial Council Millennial Celebration. And as part of that, we commissioned a young composer to write a piece that would reflect the Grand Canyon at the centennial. That composer was Brent Michael Davids, who's a member of the Mohican Nation, and he came to the Grand Canyon to kind of learn about the community here and spent a lot of time with the Havasupai. And 
as a result of that partnership, he created a piece called Guardians of the Grand Canyon, which is a piece that is the Guardians of the Grand Canyon performing their traditional ram dance surrounded by a chamber ensemble of four flutes and two percussion. And we premiered that at the Centennial in 2000. And we were talking to Brent one day and he said, you know, I just came off a residency in Minnesota where I was teaching composition to high school students and I've always wanted to do that with native students. We thought, done, that's it, we're doing it. We got seed money from the Nanamason Pulliam Foundation to bring Brent back the next year to go to Tuba City and do a composer residency. Those five composers that first year, the five student composers, were writing music that was really a revelation. It was unique, really interesting voices, a combination of their own culture's music with layered over reggae and heavy metal. And it was just, I thought, okay, these are voices that need to be heard. This is something really interesting. We're onto something here. What we do is the, the kids, they write these pieces, usually for string quartet. And then we have a world-class quartet. The, recently, it's been the Catalyst String Quartet. Play the pieces up here. That first year, we had a young composer, a young student from Gray Hills Academy named Michael Begay. He's now one of our teaching composers and studying composition at the Peabody Institute in Baltimore at Johns Hopkins University. So it's really had an incredible growth. We've been honored with several awards. In 2011, we won the National Arts and Humanities Youth Program Award from the President's Council for the Arts and Humanities and received that from Michelle Obama, right? At the White House. House. Also, ASCAP has given us money to- ASCAP Foundation. Foundation for for these kids' uh, Mm -hmm. pieces to be performed and written. It's been amazing. And what's been amazing is that the pieces are amazing. You know, your mouth drops open sometimes. You realize, yes, unfettered, Art can be created in, in ways that you wouldn't imagine. And just the new perspective on what music is and what it's supposed to sound like, these kids do that. Renee Westbrook, she ran the Artist in Residence program here. And she said, oh, it'd be great to have School of Rock out here. And fortunately, some of the musicians that we'd played with had actually done School of Rock in other places like New York City and so on. And so we brought a group out playing blues and jazz and and rock out here to the canyon. And we started doing it every year. And so out it came. You know, the nasty stuff. (laughs) And that's... What we decided to do was to teach the kids how to play a few songs in a very short period of time and then put on a concert. And this was great, too, because a lot of times it's the people who work here, the rangers and the maintenance and all that's at work at this, but never have a chance to see their kids do stuff. And all of a sudden, here they were brought the community in to what we actually do, which is make music. So we gained audience at the same time and gained wonderful connections. We had Robert Walker who built the harpsichord for Kenneth Cooper and he was an astrophysicist. 
So here we are on the edge of the Grand Canyon. We're having steak and beer, and we're looking at the beautiful sunset at Shoshone Point. Gorgeous. Then it gets dark, and out comes the Milky Way. He brings out a telescope. We start looking around. He said, okay, that's the Andromeda Nebula. And I said, oh, wow. So how many stars are in the Milky Way? And he said, oh, four, five hundred billion. You know, and I said, but he said the Andromeda Nebula has like 800 billion. And I said, well, how many galaxies do you think there are? And he said, well, hundreds of billions of galaxies at least, maybe more in the universe. Now, you think about it. You've just seen the Grand Canyon, which makes you feel really little. And now you've looked at the Milky Way, which makes you even seem much littler. And then we start talking about the number of galaxies in the universe. And I just leaned over to him and said, I guess it really doesn't make much difference how I play on Friday night. <laughs> because in perspective, it's like, forget it. But that's what inspires you to play gorgeous music here at the canyon. We would like to thank Claire Hoffman and Robert Bonfilio for sharing their stories with us and for the wonderful work they do with the Grand Canyon Music Festival. If you'd like to learn more about the festival, check out their website, grandcanyonmusicfest.org. The Art in the 48 podcast is a production of Arizona PBS. I'm Craig Baumler. Please join us next time for Art in the 48, your Arizona arts connection.